Welcome back to another episode of Coast to Coast. I am Ronan Gain. Joining me as always, Christian Nambu. Going to be talking about some of the trade rumors, leaks, what have you going on around the NBA. The two major ones, obviously Damian Lillard and Chris Paul. We'll also be getting into the finals. Denver up 3-1. Jokic and Murray putting up numbers that we haven't seen since the star duos of LeBron and Wade and Kobe and Shaq. Are they just too good for Miami? We'll get into that, but we'll open up with with the trade talk. We'll open up with a bit on Dame, a bit on CP3, but before we get into it, I want to thank everyone for making Coast to Coast your first listen. Remember, you like what you're hearing, you like, you subscribe, you follow. We'll keep producing that content. Chris, how you doing, man? It's been a bit, been a bit a week. Hey, how you getting on? Pretty good, man. I mean, we uh we keep getting all this random little news. We still haven't got the John Morant news. That's a that's the bombshell that everyone's waiting for, but. Just sneaking stuff in here and there, little little head coach firings, hirings throughout the finals. Even a trade. I, I can't believe we're not opening with the Denver Nuggets making trades on what it was. It was the night of Game Three, the night before Game Three. But um, let, let's let's talk about Dame. We haven't talked about Dame in a little bit. That, that's been that subject that we just like avoid all the time because it's like over discussed and just over speculated and often taken out of context. But I just have one question about it, and this is the thing I think about. We all know that Dave needs to go in order to win. Maybe that's probably the best case scenario. So I think that that for me is not as much of a discussion as it is a discussion for the Portland Trail Blazers. If you are the Blazers right now, what is your best, your move? Do you believe in the young talent that you have right now? And do you believe Shaden Sharp? Do you believe in Anthony Simons growing? Do you believe in whoever you're scouting at that third pick? Do you think they should pivot away? Like, is is this better for them as a team? It's always the, the most, it's the most difficult decision to make. You move on from this this elite level superstar that you've you've been hoping to build around since you drafted him. Or do you really think it's going to get better? Do you think you can have that that one last that one last go to? It's so hard to make that decision, but in this moment. I know I was one that convinced that they, they actually got it right last year. Didn't come to fruition. That was kind of their chance then. I, I don't see them really making enough of a change up to this roster with the assets that they have to really make it a competitor, especially in the Western Conference where there's already a lot of teams that are well set to to to, uh, to compete over the next few years. There's teams that are always going to be growing. So if I'm the Portland Trailblazers, I think... You gave it a good shot, but it's it's in the best interest for both Dame and for the Portland Trailblazers, I think, to to make the to pull the plug at this stage. Yeah, it's it's hard because you you look across the league and you look at how the season went this year, and I mean, I think the greatest storyline that we had was parity. How much parity there was in the league, how far the Lakers made it as a as a low seed, how far the Heat have made it as a low seed, the surprise you had in the Eastern Conference with the Cavs and the Knicks where they ended up placing um, even looking out in the Western conference, like the Phoenix Suns, they looked invincible for a few games, but proved to be in the playoffs is a different story. So I think there's a lot of ways you can convince yourself that you can still put together a team around Dame. I guess I, I look at it from the perspective of who who's there. Number three, like, do you believe Scoot Henderson? Is that, is that a guy that you're like, you know what, we were willing to reset and just completely build around a guy like that. Or do you, you have a, Another player, do you have a Brandon Miller fall to you at three? Do you believe in that guy? I think as a front office, you have to make that decision because you're not 
you can't draft at three and keep Dame. That seems to be pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. That that's what this all hinges on. So excited to talk about the the draft once uh once the time is right because there's some young talent that needs to be evaluated further, especially after some NCAA uh, mishaps, some guys who don't even play in college. But at the end of the day, I think Dame Dame should be out not because not because of him. I think it, it's and it's not necessarily even the fault of the front office right now because I just don't think there's enough moves to make it make them as competitive as they need to be. I mean, look, look at the Denver Nuggets right now. Look at look at the Suns. Even though the Suns may have looked a little bit, um, you know, <laughs> even though they got beat, but you just watch Devin Booker and Kevin Durant combine for seventy points. You you just you watch them be plays away from being right where the the Nuggets are right now and how good the Nuggets are right now as well it's it's hard to to convince yourself so what where do you want to see Dame and do you and do you believe in the kind of talent that they could bring into the Blazers yes and no with the two teams that he listed off when like I, I kind of talked about the guys that he likes and then that was Bam out of Biles like his dog same with same with with Mikhail Bridges you're thinking if you're the Brooklyn Nets it it, it could end up just being another disaster case for them getting a guy who surely they should be looking in an area of maybe a younger guy. Not that Dame has passed his best. He still has years to to deliver, but they've they've got a young young squad there in Brooklyn now. Is it really right to go out and get a guy like Dame? As much as I love Dame and I think he's an elite level player, does him coming in, does that automatically make Dame a competitor in the playoffs? That's that's a real tough question. And then how long of a window do you have with Damian Lillard then? With some of the unfortunate injury kind of history he's had over the over the past while as well, that would be a big decision to make. And then you look at Miami, that would be a very interesting trade. That would be a really strong move. I think that the the scoring that he could provide that would be such a big difference maker for uh, the Miami Heat team right now. And I think if they value Tyler Hero enough. Then it it could if the Trailblazers value him that that highly, he'd have to be in the in the trade. I, I don't think there's any doubts about that. He would be a really interesting piece, and it'd be really interesting to see how he could come together with a guy like uh, Shane Sharp and uh, and another young guy like like Anthony Simons out there in Portland. Maybe I'm looking at this wrong then, because you mentioned Bridges, and I think the reverse might be true. It's not about the Nets getting Dame, but. If the Nets are looking to go young, and this is the one thing that I I kind of the reason I haven't been thinking about Bridges because ever since they had the trade talks, ever since you know they could have flipped him for another four first round picks. We don't know who that team was, so that those picks could have been late picks wouldn't matter as much. But if you're the Nets, you love Bridges for sure because you just cashed out um, Kevin Durant and got a a guy who looks like a rising star for sure. I mean, drop him high 30s, a couple 40-point games, looking like not just a top-five defender, arguably best wing defender in the league, but also a guy that's going to give you buckets. And that just ups his value like crazy to the point where I think you, you're you going to get the third pick if you trade Mikael Bridges, for sure. If you're the next, I mean, do you pivot to that? Because, I mean, Mikael Bridges is a guy. Like, he's he's an all-star caliber player right now if he's playing like that. But he only did that for a few weeks at the end of the season, and you hate to see flashes and just like over invest in that. 
do you would you trade Bridges for a third pick? And it would probably take more than that, like two two other protected first rounders. Would you make that money work? That that'd be that'd be a real a really big call for for Portland. That'd be. I think the Blazers I mean, for Brooklyn, would do I it. I should say. Sorry, I should yeah. say for Brooklyn. How much do they believe in the guys? I guess that that's what it come down to. How much do they? What we think it's likely going to be Miller or or Scoot Henderson in that in that spot. How much do they believe in those two guys? That that that's what it all would come down to. I think as much as Bridges has shown he can take that little bit of a step, I don't think he's ever going to be the lead scorer on a team that are going deep in the playoffs year on year on year. So I mean, that's where <laughs> you'd look at it. And if you could get that sort of value for him, I think that'd be a very interesting move. Uh, that's I like I like the way you're thinking there. That'd be that'd be that'd be something I think the the Nets would would certainly consider. I guess it just depends on how much they believe in what Bridges done last year and how much that can continue to grow and and be more for an entire season. And guess how much value they place on the on the guys that are likely to drop at yeah. the three spot in the draft. Now, now the money the money's gonna be difficult for sure. But the, you know the just brainstorming off of not without even going into a the trade machine here thinking about the depth that the nets have it doesn't even have to be limited there you know that the blazers really don't want to give up shade and sharp they don't um but i think if they really want to push all their like don't do a half measure if you're going to do it like the nets are they have everything you need because if they're willing to give up claxon if that means getting shade and sharp maybe that's a thing like if if they can if they can make the money work to get off some of their bigs um Claxton would be great to have him to have bridges to even find a way to make the money where to to get Dorian Finney-Smith on that team to get off of Nurkic to revamp the front court a little bit I mean putting out wings like Nasir Little alongside Mikhail Bridges alongside Jeremy Grant alongside Nick Claxton and then pairing that with Damian Lillard like that then you're talking about a team that's been revamped to the point where maybe you're you're feeling good about trying to compete in the West. If you can make a measure like that, then that that makes sense for for the Blazers. And I think that makes sense too for a team that's trying to reward Dame for his loyalty and trying to win it with him. But, you know, there's going to be a lot of talks. I, I I believe that Dame will be on the move. And now that we even just like dig into it a little bit without even doing a full run through, I mean, I, I think that's definitely a trade that could work out. Yeah, that, that, that's actually very interesting. I think one I, I looked at, obviously... We're seeing the 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 clips and the videos are going around of, of Ben Simmons and his uh, doing his awesome workout, looking Ugh. great, load of crap. But I mean, if you're looking money wise, I think they'd probably have to trade like Ben Simmons, Cam Thomas, load of picks to kind of get Dame over there in Brooklyn. It could be an interesting lineup. Like you, if you think that this Brooklyn team could produce really high level defense, if you look at uh Bridges, a Claxton, and then you got they got the elite scoring of Dame, that could actually be an interesting. An interesting lineup, and then what about what about Miami? What way do you think a move for Dame out, out to out to South Beach would uh, would work out? Do you think that that is something that's that's realistic, or do they just not have the assets to really pull off a deal like that? So that's that's where the inverse can't be true. Like I don't I don't think that I don't think that they have the assets necessary to to make the Blazers go in for that. Like. You're you're talking about them getting Dame or them getting the third pick? Them getting Miami getting Dame. Yeah, that. What what would they offer? I mean, Tyler Hero. 
It'd be to make the money where it could have to be Lowry, Hero, right. and a and a bunch of picks. Like, yeah, I I, I think I think that the uh, yeah the, the Blazers could do better than that. I think too much guards in the in, in Portland anyway. Yeah, I I I don't think that they would move for that. And I think if you had to choose between both, I think you're you're choosing you're choosing an overhaul. You're choosing getting guys in to compete with Dame as opposed to getting kind of mediocre picks. And I mean, Hero had a great season, but not i mean i i don't think that in terms of offensive production you're going to see a lot different between him and anthony simons if anthony simons is going to continue to mature in his offensive game yeah no i think i think that's fair that's just good that's the always the issue it feels like with, with miami there they often don't have the the as great as some of their outside guys have done this year they they still don't have the the talent there to be able to make a big trade like that while remaining a competitor like you don't think they 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 shouldn't get a guy like Dame without yeah. having to give up like a, a Bam or a Jimmy and that's just that's just pointless then yeah then will we you got any other thoughts on Dame or will we, we move on talk CP3 I, I think I think you got me going on that Nets thing we, we definitely want to revisit that because that's that that sounds like something that worked out because I'm thinking about when uh, their GM was talking about wings that they liked and we were laughing at it because they were like, oh, we like Bridges. It's like, dude, how are you, you going to get Bridges? Now they get the third pick. Now you really think about the contract and that, I think that's that's the thing. But yeah, moving on to Chris Paul. Uh, first of all, terrible leak. Like whoever let that news out that he might get waived and it turned into he is going to be waived and then it turned into, wait, no, 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 no. We're not actually waiving him. We're going to maybe sign and trade him. Like, who let that go and like how did like that's that's really on the front office to have kept that tight and kept their cards close to their chest because now the value is going to be down inevitably a little bit and just the speculation I don't think is going to help his value and I think we all know where he would want to go that's like we, we both know should we say it on three one two three Lakers like obviously but I, I don't know where this ends up man it, it, it's a it's a very strange one. I mean, I get it, but I, I don't see really the point in waving him. I don't see how big of an impact that has for them to to kind of be able to to make the moves that they want to do. I think they they'd be much better off, surely, like even a sign and trade sort of sort of deal with it with with a guy like CP three. It's it's just a very weird situation. Like you get. Why maybe they're thinking they need to get a bit of younger blood in there. Maybe they could turn his his value into two good role players or or no or, or a younger guy you know is going to be able to be healthy and battle true for an entire season. Maybe that's something that they're looking at. But to to be willing to give up on a guy like Chris Paul after you get in a guy like Kevin Durant, then you really believe that this team is ready to compete at the highest level and should be at minimum making it to the Western Conference Finals every year, it just feels very strange to think that's the time that you give up on a guy like CP3. Yeah, and uh, I, you, you hear some names floated out there, and I'll, and I'll float them to you. And without even talking about contract first, just tell me which of these names like stick out to you the most for the fit in Houston, or not Houston, the fit in, uh, in Phoenix. Manuel Quickly, Peyton Pritchard, Monte Morris, Gabe Vincent. Rank that. What's that n- number one guy on that list that you would, if you're the Suns, who you want to bring onto that team next year? I got a guy, go back my boy IQ, you know? 
There you go, Q. Okay, so that's number number one. I'll I'll, I'll let you. So, um, you got to make a move. You're thinking Manuel quickly is the guy that you want next to Booker, that you want next to Durant. Why? I think he he offers that bit more off ball. I think that if you see the growth in his defense, that'd be a, a yeah. big plus as well. If For that sure. if that gets that that improvement continues, that that would be the real kind of difference maker there. I think the off ball works. I think he can be a guy who can just be able to take spot up trees and then be a guy who can have a big impact on the fast break and different things like that. So I think he'd be a nice fit in that in the in that system in Phoenix. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I kind of I kind of went between you know if if they're going to be aggressive and pursue one of these guys, you know, um, you can't have all your eggs in one basket. That's that's not how it works. So I, I think that option A, I, I did think about quickly because the defense matters. I think the unfortunate thing with how the rotations have, have worked out in New York is that he's had flashes and he's had a week here, a week there, a couple weeks here, depending on if someone's hurt, but not having that that number one spot. Mm-hmm. And it gets me curious of like, okay, if, if you gave him a consistent like 32 minutes a game, what does that look like? From a defensive standpoint, does he keep that energy? Does he continue to – because he was – when uh, Brunson was hurt, like he looked like, hey, that's a starting point guard. That that's a a slashing, fearless shooter, tenacious defender, and that's a guy that I I would think that he's not going to fold in the playoff pressure. But then I but then I look and I'm like, all right, who do I know is not going to fold under playoff pressure? And I've been watching him. I mean, Gabe Vincent has looked like fantastic, and some team is going to look at that, and it's going to be a Fred VanVleet type of effect. Now, the actual Fred VanVleet, they're not going to be able to afford. Same thing with Austin Reeves. So those options, I think, are out the window in terms of figuring out deals for that. But guys like Gabe Vincent, guys like Quigley, um, I, I think you know a lot of people have been floating, Pritchard and Monte Morris. I, I don't think the defense is all the way there for those guys to be viable as starting point guards for a championship-level team like the Suns. But both those two guys, I would keep my eyes on that. You know, I, I think it's unfortunate to see CP3 not work out there when – he has really galvanized his program. Like they would not be where they are t- today without Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. Like his leadership there, what he's done to transform that team, what he's done to help Aiden get better as a player, Booker get better as a player. Obviously, those guys are credit for themselves. But I mean, he was a big part of that change. So it seems like he's he's uh he's changed programs. He's changed the the, the uh you know the thunder. I mean, he he really turned things around there. He's was a positive force in Houston. He's been a massively positive force here in uh there in uh, Phoenix. And it just always seems like he just can't get it done where he's at. So that's it's tough to see that. Well if he wants that to continue, maybe then he a switch out to Philadelphia might be a good move for him, you know? <laughs> Man, I've seen that and this is this is where like we're we're not even in full like trade slash uh you know the off season yet. We still got finals games and just Crazy thoughts about that swap, Houston, or not Houston, uh, Harden, Chris Paul. I, I I don't see that. I don't see that at all. But but you know, crazy things have happened, and you never know what what these guys are gonna do. If he wants to reunite with with Durant, it doesn't seem like that was in the cars. It always seems like these three guys just can't get at Irving, Harden, Durant. Now there's like rumors about Irving making his way to to Phoenix, but I I've had enough of it. I want to talk about basketball. <laughs> Yeah, that's fair. We'll 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 get we'll get into more as as we hear more on the on the CP3 and Dame situations and other trade situations. Also, hearing rumors today of possible that 
that Carl Anthony Towns could be dealt could be dealt in the coming weeks, but we won't we won't go diving into that. We'll get into some finals basketball. The Denver Nuggets lead three one. They just look too good. That's that's a simple for me looking at it very simply. The Denver Nuggets are just the better team. They're just the best team at this time. They've got guys like Jokic and Murray who are capable of doing things that nobody on the Miami Heat team is capable of doing. And it's just, it, it it's a big gulf. That's how I'm looking at it. Yeah. I, and it's, it's tough because like it, from a reductionist way like that, that's not, that's not untrue. Double negative there, but that's, that's not untrue because the size advantage has showed up on, on the boards. I mean, Aaron Gordon, Michael Porter Jr., even when they're throwing Jeff Green out there, like the, the size that they put out there, especially whenever Jokic is on the court, they are clearly out-muscling them. But, I mean, when you look at the the little things that the Heat have done and how they've, how they've competed, how they've made the Nuggets work, it hasn't felt at all to me that this has been a series where the Heat are outmatched. It hasn't felt that way at all to me. Because yeah, I've, I mean, if you look at game two, and you look at the the type of looks that they were forcing Jokic into, even though Jokic has had an excellent series, they they forced the Nuggets to to go down their progressions. They forced the Nuggets to make lineup changes. They forced you know Christian Braun to be playing more meaningful minutes than Michael Porter Jr. And I I need to, is that a German last name? I I can't. People say Brown. People say Braun. Brand a lot of brown. Braun. I, I think that's brown. It brown? That's brown. It's not brown. It's brown. Brown. It, it's definitely brown. It's not brown. Yeah. Oh, okay. commentator saying saying brown. I'm like, no, <laughs> no. They're like, oh, it's the other brown. It's like, no, that's no, no. Braun. It's brown. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Exactly. I thought that was crazy because like, I kept hearing it. But the impact he's had, and, it, and that just goes to show, like they they've had to do a lot of different things. And I, I think where I want to start, we could talk about game three a little bit as well, but. The first thing I can't get off my mind because I just finished watching the game this morning is how impactful the Nuggets' other guys were in game four. That was, I thought, such a an important moment, not just in the series, but for this team as a whole over the past three years. I mean, what has been the number one ta- thing that's talked about? It's Jokic is great, and the other guys, they're still figuring that out. Not so sure. And, I mean, there's obviously the point – last season where like the the on off numbers were horrendous like it was it was a joke like when Jokic was off the floor they went to like the 28th best team in the league and we've already talked about brown we've already talked about the front office what, what they've done to bring this team in but to see it in action to see that in action in the fourth quarter when i won't even talk about the refereeing that, that's not what we're here to do that's not interesting whatever but if i did talk about the refereeing i would say that was absolute that was absolute crap I mean, it, to see, it was it was the uh, the the call on Jokic where Bam just flops, and then right down the floor, Bam gets another call for for uh, for an and one on, on a clean strip, on a clean strip, not an and one. He, he uses a clean strip, and then Jimmy gets an and one and, and initiating contact, and then you know Jokic is out for almost I think it was it five minutes or so, six minutes. It was a long time in a fourth quarter in a finals game. The Nuggets could have crumbled. I mean, they didn't have Jokic out there. They didn't have a lot of offense. The Heat were really, like, um, pushing the pressure on the perimeter. Murray's having a tough time getting to his dribble. But they just respond to this team that's been maligned for not doing well when Jokic is not on the court. Like, they went from having a 10-point lead 
And they only lost that to a nine point lead after six minutes of Jokic sitting, like getting open threes, fighting for rebounds, Aaron Gordon having the game of his life. Like this is, this is the best game he's probably ever played in, in the pressure situation he's in. The fact that he's being forced to, to play the point a few times up the floor when Murray's just gassed and Jokic is getting doubled and he's, he provided the end of what four or five assists the, the pass he had to, to Murray down the middle. Yeah. Like he, he did just incredible things. I can't talk enough about how he round and these other guys responded and that that's the reason why they're up. And that's probably the reason why they're going to win the finals right now. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of crazy thinking in a, in a game four in Miami and the first game basically you'd argue that, that Jokic has, has taken off, not that he still wasn't great and that he, there wasn't reasons why he got obviously the roll, the ankle, then he had the, the, the foul trouble. And then and and Murray still hasn't having his struggles. Uh, he's kind of turned into an Anthony Davis in this series. Kind of one game on, one game off. That sort of buzz with him. The way the, the he, had kind of assist, that. he had ten assists in three yeah, games. Yeah, no, that's, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. He, he's 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 gone away from just being that elite scorer alongside Jokic. He's yeah. starting to. He's remaining having a big impact in this game. Twelve assists, zero turnovers. The only person in the I think it was in the finals of the playoffs ever done better than that was Magic, who had thirteen assists with no. With no wow. turnovers, like that's wow. that's elite. That's elite level company. And then you've got Aaron Gordon and Bruce Brown combining for forty eight points on the road in the finals. Like that is just insane. How just shows the 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 makeup of this team, the the determination this team has. Yeah, they're kind of they're they're kind of like feeling they have this bit of a chip that uh, not not enough people have given them credit. They they were the one seed in the Western Conference. I know I had my doubts going into the playoffs, but they have just, they continue to answer any questions just like the Heat had done for so long throughout these playoffs. And now it's come to them and Denver and Denver. They're just, they're just a superior team for me at, at this time. I, I get your point. Like you're saying, it hasn't seemed like that big of a gulf, but in reality, then the the plus 36 in, in uh, points over the four games, the, uh, the Denver Nuggets, the there's times when the, he can put together runs, but it never really feels like the the Nuggets are sweating that much. They just feel so yeah. confident in everything that they're doing that they know eventually things are going to start clicking for them. Murray's going to make his shot. Jokic's going to make that pass or that shot. And you know you can rely on, on the other guys. And that's obviously sometimes the biggest uh, the biggest plus for any team looking to really compete at the highest level is knowing that the other guys aren't going to fade and they're going to be ready for that moment when it comes for them. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think the reason I said that is because, like, you know, I thought that was very obvious between the Lakers and the Nuggets. Like that that difference in, and I, I wouldn't even say say talent there because I mean the Lakers definitely had talent and they were they were experimenting with a lot of things. And I think a lot of this is so new for them because of the personnel changes they've had throughout the year and at the end of the year. And that was the difference, and that's been the difference between the Nuggets and other teams is the fact that they're a team that plays so well together. Like you watch their offense and any look the defense is giving them, and this is. Again, not just a uh, difference between um, them and other teams, but you, you conflate that with Miami. Look at how other teams are responding to Miami, constantly changing their scheme, whether they're blitzing pick and rolls, whether they're switching to zone, depending on the kind of pressure they're bringing up to the perimeter and you know their, their rotations. And I think that other teams have had difficulty. It takes them a little bit to kind of sort out how they want to get into their offense. And that was the biggest problem for the Celtics, a clearly more talented team than the Heat. But the Nuggets, as a team, have so much continuity. They have so much um, – they, they just know each other. They know exactly where they're supposed to be. And you saw at the times when, uh, when the Heat were switching to a more 
aggressive trap on the pick and roll. They'd set it in the middle of the floor. Jokic would go down and it would just be such a such an easy, easy flow, whether he was kicking it over to KCP and KCP knowing that Jokic is going to be in the middle, pull a bam out of bio over, and that was going to be an easy lob to Gordon. Like that was that was seamless. That wasn't by accident. They they know exactly how to how to shift the offense in response to everything Miami's done. And that to me goes beyond just how much better the Nuggets are, but how like much harmony that they have as a team. And and Mike Malone, Michael Malone, I forget which Mike we're not supposed to call him, Mike, Michael, whatever, Coach Malone, like he has got this just completely greased up and perfect. Like this, this machine works. And I mean, there are times in game one and game two where they won on offensive talent alone. Like you saw their defense had a lot of lapses. Miami got a lot of open shots and the same kind of open shots we saw the Lakers miss. But I mean, the heat went off in game. That's why they, that's why they won. That's why Malone was saying they had a bad game one because of all the open shots. But that I, I just have to say that this response from the other guys, if you were to tell me that Jokic and Murray combined for 33% shooting from the, from the floor, I, I don't, I don't think they're winning that game. Not a chance. If they're only, if Murray only has 15 points, Jokic only has 23 points. I, there's no way they're winning that game. If you just, you just tell me that off rip. Aaron Gordon, 27 points, Bruce Brown, 21 points. Like you said, the scoring that they had, I mean, Christian Braun, yeah, one point, sure. But the the defensive energy he brought when he came on the floor, I mean, that's why he's playing over Michael Porter Jr. in the fourth. That That's why Michael Porter Jr. is just sitting down. I mean, I, I will say I'll give him credit for the energy he brought. It's, he just had a different style this game. But I think um, more than just being better, I mean, this team deserves credit for how well they work together. Yeah, no, they're an, they're an unbelievable team, and, and like people keep saying, like let let's hope they they remain healthy now and they they can really kick on because age wise they look primed to be able to to be able to really be a team competing at the top of of, of basketball over the next three, four, five years, and uh, let's hope it can continue now because we kind of figured that they were kind of at that level when uh, the la- that last time the, during the bubble, and then uh, obviously things things happened that that deteriorated from that, but now they're in the best moment. Jokic is, is is the best player in basketball right now. Murray is looking like he is capable of being a really elite guard, a really elite number two to play alongside Jokic. And the the role players they have within this team are just are, are, are next level. But on the Miami Heat, I will say I, I've been really happy and impressed with what I've seen from Bam in these finals. I really mm. liked how aggressive he's been. I I I like that he's he's scoring and rebounding at the same rate. What I don't like maybe is how much they're they're looking to him and how much they're having to go to him because yeah. Jimmy is just getting locked. He's getting locked down. Like yeah. he, he, the the defense has has just done a do, a job on Jimmy Butler. And these are the moments where you need a guy like like Tyler here. They're 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 missing that extra mm-hmm. that extra bit of scoring here. That that has been a big blow for them. But uh, I'm glad to see Bam's able to kind of take on the initiative and, and and be the guy when he when he has to be. He's not hiding away from it, which is good. But it's disappointing they're having to go to him as much as they have to. Yeah, it's it's not there consistently enough for me. I I think we I think we see more flashes for it, and that's why we're giving credit for it. And he deserves it because that's not that's not his game for him to have grown from last year to this year into how aggressive he is getting to his spots. And there, there are times in um, in game three, for sure, where Bam looked like he, I mean, he'd take a dribble, he'd get to a spot, and he'd immediately pull up. He would get the ball, he'd get into a move. And he had a couple moments like that in this game as well. But, I mean, there's still times where he gets switched onto, 
and he's not punishing that enough. Like they, they are getting away with switching Christian Braun onto him. They're getting away with switching KCP on him. They're getting away at times with Jamal Murray on him. And he punished it a couple times. But I think the the offensive touch isn't there to the point where that's the answer. And it, it felt like a lot of the offense was flowing through him in the beginning of the first quarter. And they seem to constantly do this uh, run at him in the middle, let him work one-on-one. And, you know, Denver's just not biting. They're staying home. They're not biting. Go ahead, try and score. And I, that's just not Bam. That, that's that's not what Bam, I think, does effectively. I think we still haven't seen him be able to play above the rim until a couple plays uh, last night. And I, I think it's tough. I mean, with Denver, with Denver size, it makes it tough. And I think I I think I underestimated going into this game, like how how good Aaron Gordon is and how how big Michael Porter Jr. is. And how even even Jamal Murray, like at, at times, like Jamal Murray's size, like but forcing tough passes, and Miami's not been able to to attack the paint as well. I mean, in the fourth quarter, they 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 were not getting good looks at the paint. Like Jimmy Butler's having to take tough shots, like you said. And Caleb Martin sometimes is is getting around um, Aaron Gordon when when he's on the floor. And really, like the only guy who's getting a few looks is Duncan Robinson, like attacking a closeout, getting a floater, but. Having a guy like Tyler Hero with, who could really do something with the ball, maybe get get in the paint. He's not the most tremendous scorer in the paint, but they they need someone to be able to create. Besides Kevin Love getting in there for five minutes and having a crazy, I mean, it's only six points, but like the Miami were not getting any offense, and you just throw Kevin Love out there and he drops you six points in like two minutes, and then you throw Kyle Lowry out there, and then all of a sudden like he's getting to the line and stop a run. But I'm I'm really looking at Vincent and Struce. I mean, yeah, we 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 got it. We give guys credit, and I think we have to point out as well when there's inconsistency, and that's why Anthony Davis gets so much flack because you expect the greats to have consistency, and I think you expect these guys to do a little bit more than you know shooting three for seventeen. I mean, the, the, a big fat nothing from those guys, and in a game like this, it was a must win. I know they don't believe in that, but this was a must win game. They did not show up, and I think Robinson probably needed more minutes. Vincent didn't give a whole lot in 32 minutes, two for 10. Duggan Robinson in 14, under 14 minutes, three for six, looked aggressive, was even able to, like, get in the paint and throw some good passes. Like, he's done a lot more, and I think he deserves to be there instead of a, instead of Struce. You didn't get enough out of him. Yeah, yeah, no, it's been, it's been very disappointing, I guess, like, you don't want to go straight to that line where you're like, oh, now we see why these guys were, were unwanted mm-hmm. and undrafted and all that sort of stuff. Unfortunately, they've had great they've had great playoffs and now they're in a moment where they're needed to step up and they're they're just not rising to the challenge. It's it's on the it's on the coach. Uh Spolsha's gotta gotta be willing to make these moves, gotta give some more minutes to Lowry and Duncan Robinson. Obviously, they're having the impact that they're having because they're coming off the bench, but Maybe got to give them a bit more of a look because I've quite liked what I've seen from both Robinson and Larry in these in this series. They're uh, they're adding important com- contributions and they're and they're looking good when they're on the floor. Obviously, we know the the limits that 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 Robinson has as a defender, and that's why he struggles to to get consistent minutes on the floor. But when he's hitting his shots, when he's there as a cutter, when he's being aggressive, he has that enough impact on offense to be able to willing to even just give him that extra like three or four minutes during a game where he might be able to 
to get you that extra extra three, four, five points. And that can be a real difference maker for this Miami Heat team. Yeah. And this I think maybe a lot of their looks came a lot easier when Jimmy Butler was was doing what he was doing. I mean, Jimmy did not have a terrible game, 11 and 24, 28 points, forces. But I think the dominance that he had forced so much defensive attention and opened up the offense, opened up the the quick passes, swing from one side of the court to the other, the advantages he was getting from being doubled, um, the advantage he was getting from easily getting to the rim. I think he's not had an easy time driving to the rim, which is, I think, big credit to Aaron Gordon. Um, I thought that could have been an advantage, you know, Butler's quickness being superior to to Aaron Gordon's speed. But, I mean, he's held up quite nicely. And um, really the, the best offense that he's getting is off post-ups, and that slows things down. And Denver's okay with that. Denver's okay with with staying home and forcing him into tough shots because even though KCP is going to get outpowered a little bit, which, I mean, just really really speaks to to Jimmy Butler's, uh, I mean, physicality. Um, and, it, and it's tough for him to be this physical throughout an entire playoff run. But he has to just muscle his way through every single bucket. And these shooters, I mean, they, they have a man in their face every single time because there's not that extra help. There's not that that extra man moving away from the corner, moving away from the wing. He, he has to score. And it's going to take some Jimmy Butler magic. He's going to have to go off in one of these games because I, I don't think Bam is not bending the defense. Jimmy Butler, they're, they're allowing him to just get in the post and take tough shots. And the magic that you see from Struz, Vincent, and Duncan Robinson just taking contested threes around pick, like that's that's sometimes it's there. Right right now, I think you got to give credit to the Nuggets and how disciplined they've been defensively for all the, the praise that we give the Heat, for how much pressure they put on Murray, for how hard they've made it for him to score, how hard they've made it for, um, for KCP to get open threes. They, the Nuggets have made it just as hard, and uh, it's interesting that I, I felt like this is supposed to be a battle of shooters, right? This is supposed to be two really good three-point shooting teams. It's come down to their perimeter defense, and both these uh, hot shooting teams have been shut down a bit, and it just comes down to who can be more fundamentally sound. And right now, the, the Nuggets are proving that. They can win in other ways besides their, their shooting. Yeah, absolutely. And unfortunately, this is where the – you do have the, the 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 look for Jimmy that he he needs that other guy. It, it'd be interesting, like I said already, it'd be interesting to see what he'd be able to do if he had a guy like Tyler Hero, or if the other guys were knocking down their threes. You think of Vincent and Struess and uh, and Robinson, other guys were were going like two or three, two or four from uh, from deep, and that was kind of forcing the the Nuggets to close out more, giving Jimmy Butler a bit more space to work in the paint, get allowing him more opportunities to even get to the line and different things like that. The way that everyone needs to to have that little bit extra advantage. But unfortunately, if he's not going to get that, he's just going to have to do it himself. Like he hasn't had a 30 point game yet in the, in these finals. And unfortunately when you're the league guy and, and the way this heat team is built, if he's not doing that, it comes near to impossible for this Miami heat team to win, to win a game almost like they won that game too but they were like as close to elite as you can be in that fourth quarter. And the Nuggets still had that shot to tie the game. That just shows the difference that there is between these two teams. And unfortunately, maybe Jimmy, maybe he's still, he's, he's hurting that the ankles hurting that a little bit. Maybe the defense is just that good, but unfortunately he's not able to go full Jimmy playoffs, Jimmy bucket mode. And that means that the heat are likely going to lose this in five. 
Mm. I, I think I think the Heat still got another game in them. I think they got another game in them. Uh, they they're not going to go away, and they're not scared of the moment. And they've already stolen one in in Denver, but I still got Nuggets and six. They're going Nuggets and six. I, I think I, I I I as much as I've been wrong every time I said a team's going to close it out, I'm still thinking the Nuggets. The Nuggets are going to do it in five, especially I think Jokic is going to come back and and dominate in game five, and Murray will maybe maybe get that little bit higher, hotter, start hitting a few more uh, few more of his threes, maybe cool it, even cool down and, and looking for the passes and get back to getting his own shots, and that'll be enough for this this Denver team. But sure, like who knows, KCP will probably go off for twenty five points or something, something like that. Knowing the yeah. knowing the way this Denver team is going at the moment, but uh, but we give we got to give the shout out to that uh, that game three performance from Jokic and Murray though, don't we? Yeah, that 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 has happened. That was, um, that's that's definitely where it felt like okay, that the Nuggets are too good. I mean, they they had every look that they wanted, and I mean that. Where does that stand in history? Do we we almost had two triple doubles? You saw, or no, we we did have two yeah, triple doubles. Two triple yeah, two two triple doubles. That's the ever. first time that's ever happened, right? Thirty two and, thirty point <laughs> triple doubles. Yeah, first time ever in the finals. I mean, Murray. I don't know if he was a little gas in game four because of because of that game, but like just relentless. And I, I think that's what's not talked about enough is him as a player. Like he's just pegged as a scorer who gets hot in the playoffs. And I think he's absolutely getting credit for that. But what he does to fight for boards, I mean, you you see him just flying in there, whether it's on the offensive glass, defensive glass, you see him willing to put his body on the line, put his chest into Jimmy Butler play as much defense as he can. And maybe he's not an elite defender. Sure. But he uses his size and he uses his strength, especially in the posting. But like he does so many other things besides scoring. And the fact that he's getting 10 assists per game in the finals, I think we expected a, a 30 point triple double. Like honestly, when you say, (laughs) when you say Jokic, you get a 32, 10 and 21 game. I'm like, yeah, obviously that makes sense. But to see that alongside Jamal Murray, like it's this is a special team. This is a special team. This isn't, this isn't, um, I don't know. This this shouldn't be unexpected anymore. I think this was what we thought we'd see in the future when we saw the flashes of this a few years back. Obviously, we have the injuries in between, but this is probably the most dynamic pick and roll duo in the league. Yeah, no, it's definitely right up there. And I think I will say I, I've definitely seen improvements in Murray's uh, defense compared to what we saw when he was uh when he first really put himself in the map in the was that was the bubble when he had his, his multiple fifty point games and that yeah. I think we really yeah. saw his frailties as as a defender in, uh, during that playoff run. But I think he's he's definitely he's not going to be doing it from minute one to minute forty eight. But he's going to step up with a few crucial plays as we've seen in, in these. Uh, in these playoffs. And I think now him and Jokic are like the first teammates to combine for like 500 plus points and like 150 plus assists since like wow. Wade, Wade and LeBron and uh, like 2012 or 2013, I think something, something ridiculous like that. I mean, the two of them have just been on a tear. And then like we keep saying, the, the got the role players around him, the guys who know exactly what their role is fully committed to being in that role and just making this team click making this team run at this high level and it, it's 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 frightening to think where this team can now kick on to from here but of course they they do still have to to wrap it up and really put the cherry on the icing on the top of the cake that has been this season and and win the Denver Nuggets first ever NBA championship yeah and I, I think 
just to talk a little bit more on uh, Jamal Murray, uh, I, I think the reason I love this Nuggets team so much is because like the difference in style that they have, the different things that they can go to. And you see that in they have the best offense in the league when you're throwing the ball to Jokic and Jokic is working on the post and Jokic is going to throw a ridiculous pass like we've seen a million times. And then you have the moments where a team like the Heat are just suffocating the the offensive uh, movement. They're they're suffocating all the shooters, and it's just nothing. You can't get anything against a team like that. And then you got a player like Jamal Murray that doesn't care. Like he is gonna not get tired of shooting. He's not gonna get tired of putting the ball on the floor, and he's going to get to his shots. And he's gonna be a difficult shot maker. And I think that adding that flair to this team and like how how good they are off ball. And then again, another thing that he's not giving credit for, like he's not a point guard. You need to put the ball in his hands all the time. Like that's why he's so perfect next to Jokic. Mm. Like what he does off ball, like he, for a guy who's not physically like Curry, like Curry is just constantly running around. I mean, Curry is a track star. I mean, he's, he's one of those classic shooters. He's going to be able to run all game. Like Murray has to do a lot of running too. Like you don't see, you don't see Harden when Harden throws the ball away. He's got his hands and knees. Irving, honestly, same thing. Very frequently, he's not really doing a whole lot of movement. You don't always see guards have the amount of off-ball movement that he has. So to see that that style of play, you know, in one player, the doing whatever it takes to win. I mean, he's not just looking at the ball, get to a shot. He's also coming off pin downs. He's running around. He's setting screens, and he's doing it with full conviction. I mean, the, the style that they can go to away from Jokic to then go to Murray – and then in game four, the the style that they can go to when, you know, Murray doesn't have it going, Jokic is getting a little frustrated offensively. Okay, so we'll go to Aaron Gordon. I mean, Aaron Gordon, too, as, as a passer. Aaron Gordon, as, you know, his footwork has been maybe, like, under undervalued. Maybe he's always been this good. I just have not noticed. But, I mean, him getting to his shots in the middle of the floor, getting to the post. Like, it's a beautiful game of basketball watching this team and how many different options they have, how many different styles that they can play. And, I mean, I we haven't even seen a Michael Porter Jr. game. We haven't even seen a, a big shooting game from a KCP, and they've just managed to just pull this off in an amazing way. I can't say enough about it, honestly. This has become like a, a Nuggets Love podcast. I'm sorry, it's probably probably annoying to just hear it for the past week, but, I mean, there's there's nothing else you can uh, – no other appropriate reaction to have when you watch this team besides just admiring their resilience alongside the most resilient team we've seen in the playoffs. So I mean, hats out to the Heat too for the the effort that they've had because this isn't this is not an easy match by far, and I would hate for the legacy of this series to be like some Cinderella team that just couldn't stand up to the town of the Nuggets because I mean this has been a tremendously competitive matchup. No, yeah, for sure, and uh, like one thing you mentioned the the movement of Murray, I think that's something I definitely have noticed as well. Obviously, the one of the obviously all the amazing things about Steph Curry, but one thing you notice when the first time you watch Steph Curry is how he literally never stops on mm-hmm. on offense he is always moving and you really do see a lot of that from Jamal Murray especially in these playoffs he is non-stop it's, it's near impossible to keep track of him he's always there he's always available he's always doing different things to help out the team and that's what's why things are clicking and that's why he's he's looking like uh, one of the, the elite number twos that we have around in this uh in this NBA but like you said you, you just got to be in awe of this Denver team we got to give them their respect I especially definitely question them before the playoffs. They've they've answered 100 mm-hmm. percent the Heat as well. I continue to question them. Like you said, you never questioned the Heat. And you were and you were right. They've managed to get as the eighth seed, they managed to make it all the way 
to the NBA Finals. They've been they've been awesome. They've been resilient. They've never stopped. They've never gone away. And if they can dig down deep and find a way to continue that, they could extend this series. But for now, I'm still thinking I'm going Heat and uh, Nuggets to close it out. You're thinking Heat got one more in them and the, the Nuggets will close it out in Miami. But we will we will see. Monday is Game Five. Possibly the Nuggets maybe celebrating their first every championship. Maybe we'll see a Jimmy Buckets highlight reel in the, for the finals. But I think that's going to do it for today's episode. My thanks to Chris for joining me. And thank you all so much for listening. Remember, you like what you're hearing. Follow us on social media. We put up all the best bits everywhere. We are everywhere at Coast to Coast NBA. And most importantly, remember to take every shot and love every moment. <laughs>